the cinema and the film ends. And you get up to leave, but your row is blocked by a guy who's determinately sitting and staring at the closing credits. Well, that guy is me. I'm a credits man. Opening credits, end credits, I love them all. But the credits that get me most excited are those on a film's poster hidden at the bottom in a uniquely narrow typeface. This is called The Billing Block. It's a short selection of a film's credits compiled by the relevant talent's agents, and its appearance on a poster is our first glimpse at the credits of a film. Often nowadays, a billing block can reveal secrets of a production. It was deep in the billing of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them that we learned James Newton Howard would be scoring the film. But my favorite thing about billing blocks is finding out the order the actors will be billed in. This is an area of illogical traditions and strange formality. Both in cinema and on television, the order of billing is a source of fierce rivalry between actors' agents, and the discussions that happen behind Hollywood's closed doors to determine the billing are a source of enormous curiosity for credit nerds like myself. There's a few different formats when it comes to billing actors. The least contentious by far is to display the actors' names in alphabetical order, as is done with the rebooted Star Trek films. It goes John Cho, Simon Pegg, and then the main actors, Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto, because C comes before P and Q. These actors were all on a similar level of obscurity when they were originally cast, and Star Trek is inherently an ensemble piece, so it's only fair that no one star receives a principal credit. Next, there's the Marvel model. This applies to the majority of modern blockbusters. We have one main star whose name goes before the title, for example, Robert Downey Jr. in Iron Man, Paul Rudd in Ant-Man, Benedict Cumberbatch in Doctor Strange. Then, after the title, are the supporting players. Next build after that main star will likely be the female lead or sidekick, somebody whose role is secondary by nature. And at the end of the cast list, with the shiny word with or and before their name are very famous, usually older actors in smaller supporting roles whose prestige earns them a special distinction. In the case of Doctor Strange, the credits read Benedict Cumberbatch, who plays the eponymous Stephen Strange, Doctor Strange, the name of the film, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Oscar-nominated actor as Strange's sidekick, Rachel McAdams, Oscar-nominated actress as the romantic interest, Benedict Wong, lesser-known actor in a significant supporting role, with Mads Mikkelsen, highly respected actor playing a villain, and Tilda Swinton, Oscar winner as a mentor figure. This is really the most common method of billing actors in a film featuring a lot of familiar names. There is one example of a Marvel film with slightly different billing. Guardians of the Galaxy and its upcoming sequel have a featuring credit for Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel, who voice CGI characters Rocket and Groot, above the title, and beneath the title, with John C. Riley, Glenn Close as Nova Prime, and Benicio Del Taro as The Collector. For a film like Moonlight, which largely features unknowns and newcomers, the order is slightly different. Moonlight is a film about a young black boy growing up in Miami, and this boy, Chiron, is played throughout the film by three different actors. Each actor receives a fairly equal bit of screen time, and they're all equally fantastic in the film. 
Yet it's the eldest incarnation of Chiron, Trevante Rhodes, who gets billed first. Then it's Andre Holland, who plays the adult version of Chiron's friend, followed by Janelle Monet, an established name who has quite a minor role in the film. Then the two younger Chirons, with Naomi Harris and Mahershala Ali. Maybe it's a coincidence, and they are both excellent in the film, but it's Harris and Ali alone who have received acting Oscar nominations for Moonlight. Discrimination against child actors is a common occurrence in billing, though if they make a strong enough impact in the film, they're sometimes given an introducing credit. See Daphne Keene in the upcoming Fox film, Logan. Sometimes, a film simply features too many big stars to adhere to a traditional billing model. I give you The Expendables 2. This is one of the weirdest examples of billing I've ever witnessed. I'll read it out from the start. Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Jet Li, Dolph Lundgren, Chuck Norris, also Jean-Claude Van Damme with Bruce Willis and Arnold Schwarzenegger. The Expendables 2, and then all the other actors. On Expendables 3, we got two withs instead of that dreadful also, with Mel Gibson, with Harrison Ford, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. There is no amount of money I wouldn't be willing to pay to witness the negotiations between those actors' agents when determining the billing of the Expendables films. It would almost certainly be more exciting than an actual Expendables film. One very public and one very influential piece of billing bargaining came in 1974 with The Towering Inferno, an expensive co-production of Warner Brothers and 20th Century Fox. The film starred two of Hollywood's hottest names, Paul Steve Newman McQueen and, and Paul McQueen. Newman. I said Steve Paul McQueen Newman and Paul Newman. McQueen. You see, Newman and McQueen's agents both insisted their client was the bigger star and deserved their name to go first. William Holden's did too, but the studio just laughed at his agent. So Newman's name and McQueen's name on the poster and in the finished film are displayed diagonally. If you read from left to right, McQueen has top billing. If you read from top down, it's Newman's name you see first. Holden's name is displayed slightly lower to the right of Newman, and Faye Donaway's is a little lower still beside his. It's an absurd piece of text design. Even more bizarre is the fact that both actors were guaranteed the exact same number of lines. The film was scripted and edited to ensure their agents wouldn't complain. Built on egos such as these, it's no surprise this tower went up in flames. The diagonal arrangement of names continues to this day whenever a film or show has two, generally male, leads with roles of equal importance. On Showtime's Billions, for example, Damien Lewis and Paul Giamatti's names display in this manner. When the billing was being organized for 2001's Ocean's Eleven, it was determined that the main actors' names would appear in alphabetical order above the title. So, George Clooney would go first, followed by Matt Damon, Andy Garcia, Brad Pitt, and Julia Roberts. But Don Cheadle, who does have a sizable part in the caper, requested to be included in this batch of names. Since Cheadle comes before Clooney in the alphabet, his request was denied by the studio, and Cheadle stubbornly, but justifiably, demanded that his name be removed from the credits entirely. Hence, Ocean's Eleven is a strange example of a film with one of its main stars nowhere to be found on the credits. So now you hopefully have a better understanding of billing. Hopefully you will look out for the billing block on posters for films, in the trailers, and in the end credits. Maybe you understand now why I find it so fascinating. Or maybe not. Above All Else is produced by Shane Kelly and me, Lucien Wardaly. Or should I say, Lucien Wardaly and Sh Oh, our agents will figure it out. Today's show was recorded at Flirt FM in the National University of Ireland, Galway. Visit flirtfm.ie to hear great student-produced radio five days a week. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to Above All Else on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. You can also leave a review. Visit facebook.com slash aboveallelsepodcast. 
to get in touch with the show. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon.